Our scripture reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And our message is Christ is risen, life transformed. This is the Lord's word. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. They go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. We celebrate the resurrection of a man named Jesus today. We celebrate a miracle, someone who was once dead coming back to life. We celebrate something extremely beautiful, extraordinary. And we as human beings, when we hear stories of miracles, when we hear stories of goodwill, our hearts cannot help but to rejoice. We rejoice when love is shown. We rejoice when miracle happens. We rejoice when someone is sick and becomes well. We rejoice when someone is, is suffering, struggling, and is able to overcome. Our story today has inspired many, many people. But the question that we have to ask as Christians, and that we have to ask the scriptures, and we have to ask ourselves, is what is the significance of the resurrection of Jesus? Why does it matter for us? Why does it matter for this world? And if the resurrection is of such importance, how then shall we live today? Now, for many people, the resurrection of Jesus is simply a myth or simply a fable. It's like those stories of Aesop, which simply had a, a sort of a, a moral charge at the end. Do not cry wolf. Be kind to your brothers and your sisters. Here, some people look at the resurrection of Christ and say, what a wonderful story. Someone who was once dead is alive again. And they will say, this story is about us. And the moral of this story is that when you think that you're dead, when you think that life has got you down, get back up. There is life waiting for you. 
and we rejoice in that. But there has to be more to it than just a fable. Because people do not build churches around Asaph. People don't build churches around moral stories. Histories are not made because someone's able to, to weave some words together. The story of Jesus, the story of Scripture, has to be more than that. Some people will simply say, you know, the, the story of the resurrection of Christ, the story of, the, of Jesus itself, is simply a myth amongst many other myths as well. That all the religions are simply mythical stories that share the human condition and share how we can overcome the human condition of, of suffering and how we can live today. And they would share the story that whether you are a Christian, whether you are a Muslim, whatever religion or philosophy you, you would hold on to, that all of them are true to the sense that they have some answers to have, how to overcome the difficulties of this life. It's just a myth amongst many myths. You might have heard it said it this way. It's the religions are simply at the base of the mountain, and there are many ways to go to the top where there is salvation, where there's an explanation to this thing called life. And each religion is simply coming up the mountain their own way. And neither one of them is more right or more wrong than the other. They're simply different myths or different ways to get to the top. None of them are really true. None of them has exclusive claims to the truth. But they all have little bits and pieces. Myths among many myths. The resurrection of Jesus, one myth amongst many other myths. We as human beings, fallen creatures, our flesh likes that story. We, we like that story. The, the world likes that story. Because we don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to claim that one is more right than the other. But there's a disservice to that. Not only for us as Christians, but for other world religions as well. You talk to someone who's a Muslim, you talk to someone who's, who's Hindu, and you talk to all these people and they'll say to you, my religion is not a myth. My religion is not a myth. And we as Christians, we say, my religion is not a myth. All of us have claims to the truth. Who, are, who is the world to say that they've seen the top of the mountain and that they can look down upon us and proclaim judgment that we're all the same. All of these are competing for your hearts and your minds. Myths can go so far to encourage you and to inspire you. But truth alone can change the person. Jesus Christ claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ came to say that I have saved you as sinners. 
Jesus Christ has come as a great physician to say, I have the correct diagnosis of what's wrong with you. And as a great physician, I will heal you. Our duty as, as human beings is to seek out what's truth. And if what Jesus says is correct, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, it's incumbent upon us to seek that out and to understand. You see, when something's a myth, we call that simply preference, perhaps. Or you know, Tim Keller once said it this way, it's, it's like soft news. Now, when you read the newspaper, you might look at the fashion section and see sort of, you know, what's, what's in nowadays here in Atlanta? What do people like to wear? I could just say a music session. I said, well, what kind of music do people like to, to listen to? And their preferences, where it affects you or not, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting older in my years. I don't know what music people listen to anymore. I listen to 80s music. 80s music, that's when all good music stopped. And then you guys simply sample all those songs back and rehash them. But Christ's saying, I'm not here as soft news. I'm like a hurricane that's coming into this world. You do not have the preference of saying, I think a hurricane is coming. You don't have the choice to say, I'm going to ignore the hurricane. When Jesus comes, it affects everyone. And our hearts need to respond to that hurricane. Jesus himself says to us that in his death, the purpose of that death was to pay for our wrongdoings or to pay for our sins. We are a people who have a sense of guilt in our hearts, who seek absolution, whether it's from God or whether it's from other people. Time and time again, you see us as people needing fellowship with others and needing to confess the wrongs in our hearts. And sometimes we do it in different ways. For some of us, it's gossiping. I mean, what is gossiping? Gossiping is seeking restitution and forgiveness by making someone else look worse than you. Some of us are more in tune with our hearts, and we seek another to say, it's okay. I love you just the way you are. Countless songs written. You know, there's this tendency, and I know we have a, a younger crowd here. Um, you know, working with young men and young women, and when the, the man and the woman, they start dating, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, you see the newness of love, you only see, the, only see the innocence of it as well. And oftentimes, the, the man and the woman, when, when they're together, they have this tendency to overshare. And they say to the woman, let me tell you about my whole story of who I am. 
please just love me the way I am. Please forgive me of my past. And you see that vice versa as well. Listen, this is where I came from. These are my past relationships. These are the wrongs that I have committed. I want you to know who I am. Can you forgive me? And can you love me? God is saying that that is a, a representation of a cosmic need for us to know that we need to be forgiven, that we need to be made whole, and that what we have done is not simply wronged our brothers and sisters, but somewhere deep in the recesses of all humanity, we know that we have wronged the divine one. And scripture teaches us that it is God himself, God who made us, God who created us. It's like a beacon that beeps, 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 beeps. And we're looking for what, where it's pointing us to. And then God, by his grace, reveals himself and says, it's me. And then we realize that it's him. We, we, we confess our sins to him. We go, God, how can I, will you take me? Will you forgive me? Will you love me? And God says, yes. But God being the just God and the righteous God, he can't simply close that gap by just snapping his fingers. But he demands justice. He demands that the sins be paid for. And so that's why his son came. And that's why we celebrate on Good Friday that Jesus died for us to take away our sins, to take away our shame. Praise be to God for that. Listen, we do not want a God who could simply just hand wave things. We know in our own lives when, when injustice happens to us, how hard it is to hand wave and say it's okay. Because there is no hand waving. You, you eat it. If someone's wronged you, you go, it's okay, but you, you, you eat it. But you as a human being, that only goes so far. We're not meant to hold the weight of sin. But Christ is. That's what Christ has done for us. This is the meaning of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is the meaning of, of why Christ came. This is the diagnosis and the solution that he gives to us. And it's coming upon us as people as, as this truth comes like a hurricane. To say, if this is true, if this is who I am, and God is offering me forgiveness and life, don't I have to take it? And I pray that all of you would consider receiving the love of Christ in full. We know another thing about the significance of, of the resurrection is that he gives us eternal life. And this is something we all like. Who doesn't want to live forever? Um, I saw this review of a show on Netflix called Altered Carbon. Uh, I haven't seen it myself, 
but it's, it's an interesting concept that, that eternal life is given. But the way they did it is they were able to um, put the soul in a little chip, a little disc. So your being is in a disc. And they call the body simply a sleeve. And so as long as that disc doesn't get destroyed, you can shed that body and put it into another body. And then the story goes, if you're really rich, you can, you can buy really nice bodies, you know. And so the, the, the part of eternal life. And I think for many of us, that's attractive. Who wouldn't want to live forever to be able to experience the, the joys of, 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 of all that God has given? I won't spoil the ending, but this ending has a good moral story about how that's not always a good thing, living forever. But God promises us that if we believe in him, that we will have eternal life with Jesus in the new heavens and the earth with our brothers and sisters for all of eternity. You will be able to live the life of fullness without there being any suffering, pain, or sorrow. You know, I've been a pastor for a long time, and it's still never easy to say goodbye to people. When I see people leave our church or just in general, um, and I know internet helps a little bit, but there's only 24 hours a day, you know? But I love being able to say to my brothers and sisters in Christ that, you know, I might not see you again in this lifetime. God bless you wherever you may go. But we will share together and we'll say this in, in, in good fun. We'll say, let's make an appointment together in heaven. Let's make an appointment when Jesus comes back. You want to learn how to play tennis? Let's go play tennis for all of eternity. You want to learn how to play guitar? Let's, let's jam together for all of eternity. And there's a joy in that. To be able to know that my brothers and sisters here, I'll be able to know you fully. You'll be able to know me fully. We'll be able to enjoy the new creation that looks just sort of like this physical world, but perfected. And to enjoy the culture of what that new heaven and new earth will look like forever and ever get to play. It's attractive. It's what God has given us. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life. But there's something more than simply a get-out-of-jail-free card in the resurrection of Christ for us. There's something more than simply a future life that is given us, an insurance policy. The resurrection of Christ means that death has been conquered. But we have to understand death in a scriptural way. You know, the history of death is, is very interesting. I know we have medical students here, and we have uh, um, people in the medical field here as well. And you know, if I were to ask you the question, what is the, what is the definition of death? You would say, well, it depends. You know, we, we know just about a century ago, right, the, the definition of death was the fact that your, your heart 
stop beating, you're, you're dead. But then problems arose when people come back to life. And so the next definition of, of death is, you know, no, no brain activity. But the question is, to what degree? And there's public policy debates about euthanasia, policy debates about when is it okay to let someone, someone die. Scripture defines death something very differently. You see, physical death is what we call simply a derivative type of death. It's a consequence of another type of death. The death that scripture talks about is what we call spiritual or relational death. You see, death isn't so much about losing your physical body. We know that the scripture teaches our, our soul or the inner body, inner self is eternal. But death is simply separation from a loved one. And in this case, separation from God. I know many of you have heard this story before, but it's one of the most poignant stories that I've ever experienced. Um, I had a student, her name was Elsa, beautiful girl. Her, her father was Japanese, her mother was um, from Iceland. So her, her mother was like, just her features were just blue eyes and everything. And her father was just, just a strict Japanese uh, man. And they, they got married, and I, I looked at her, I go, I've never seen a person like this. But she was, she had the Asian features, she had blue eyes. And I was like, you know, just mesmerized by that, you know? And she had become a Christian in college. She had come to know Jesus. And she started to share with her parents about her experience. Her mother was like, okay, it's fine. Just live the life that you want to live, and I'll support you. And so Elsa continued to share her, her love with Jesus to, to her mother. Her father, on the other hand, now, mine being they, they, were, they, were, they were divorced. Her father had moved back to Japan. And she told her father that, you know, I've become a Christian in college. And her father, being devout to the, to the Shinto religion, said to her daughter, you're dead to me. I remember sitting next to Elsa going, oh my goodness. I go, really? He says, yeah. After me about two or three phone calls, he told me not to call back. And then I was dead to her, dead to him. You see, physical death is not the worst thing. It's that relational separation that destroys the human soul. For us, it's not so much about getting eternal life and the life in the future. It's not so much about simply relieving our guilt and feeling good about ourselves. But when it says that Jesus rose again from the dead and conquered death, he's saying that he's restored our relationship with him, Jesus himself. That he's restored the relationship amongst humanity, me and you, you and me. 
He said that we can know God and God fully through Jesus and be known by him. And that our relationship with God empowers us and strengthens us to know who we are and our purpose. I like science fiction more than anyone else. And I love science fiction, not for the special effects, but I love science fiction because of the questions of, in the future, as modernity keeps on progressing, as technology keeps on progressing, what is the meaning of life? But we as God's people, the truth has been revealed to us. The hurricane has come. And we've seen that in the midst of that hurricane, in the eye of the storm is Christ himself. And he wants to love us, to walk with us, and to be with us. Brothers and sisters, God is not offering you a road map to heaven. God is not offering you GPS to get to where you want. God is not offering technological advances so that you can sort of live the life that, that seems best. God has thrown all that away and simply says, I'm giving you myself. We'll find a, a, a beat-up Toyota Tercel you and me in the car, and let's do this life together. And wherever you may go, your Jesus who loves you is with you. But this transforms our life as well to love other people. We're not concerned about where we're going we're not overly concerned about what lies ahead because Jesus, our salvation, is with us. And the joy of being with him on this trip of life that he's given us just exudes from us. And our joy is what? Hey, friend. Hey, neighbor. Hey, stranger. Why don't you come on this trip with me? This Jesus who I know, who's making life meaningful, wants you to join us as well. The Christian life is full of transformation, no longer worrying about the past or the future, no longer worrying about physical death or even relational death, knowing that Christ Jesus is with us and has conquered it all. And knowing that he is willing and wanting to be with us forever. That is the life that Jesus offers to you. That is why we are here today. For some of you, you've been going to church all your life. But you've never ever seen Jesus as the one who lives with you. You've never seen Jesus as someone who's, who's real next to you and in you, directing your steps through scripture and through the body of Christ. I ask you to seek him. I ask you, what are the alternatives? 
And I ask you to consider welcoming him once again and rededicating your life to the Lord himself. For some of you who, who may not, who've lived here in the South perhaps and who sort of, sort of seen Christianity but, not, but don't really understand who Jesus is and, and maybe some of the things that we've said here made sense to you, um, I encourage you to, to be a good seeker. Use your mind and say, okay, if the claims of Jesus are true, is the diagnosis, diagnostics of, of Jesus that we are all sinners, is that true? Let me look at scripture. Let me look at my life. Because if, Jesus, if what Jesus is saying is true, it should match up with my life. And if what Jesus is saying is true, then the only remedy is Christ himself. Time goes fast. And each moment, each day, the Lord is calling you. Happy Easter, everyone. The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's pray.